Hi, I'm Dan Primack, and welcome to Axios Recap, presented by Facebook. Today's Thursday, August 27th. Walmart is in on TikTok, power is out for hundreds of thousands of people in Louisiana, and we're focused on how empty NBA arenas could help save the November election. Last night, the NBA and WNBA both went dark, with a slate of six games canceled in a show of player solidarity, or maybe in a show of frustrated disgust with the shooting of Jacob Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin. As of this taping, there are some reports that the leagues do plan to resume games, possibly by as soon as Friday, although it's unclear if a final decision has been made or if most of the players are on board. Earlier today on CNBC, White House senior advisor Jared Kushner was asked about the shutdown. There's a lot of uh, activism, and I think that they've put a lot of slogans out, but I think that what we need to do is turn that from slogans and signals to actual action that's going to solve the problem. But here's the thing. Players have been taking actions to help solve some of the problems, the most notable of which is more than a vote. The voting rights campaign launched after the George Floyd murder by a group of current and former NBA and WNBA players, most notably LeBron James. This is the group we discussed in the very first episode of Axios Recap. And the latest is that the group is working with secretaries of state, local officials, and team owners to use empty arenas as polling places on November 3rd. That means that in Atlanta, for example, State Farm Arena, which is right downtown, will be converted into the city's largest ballot box, which should help alleviate wait times while also allowing for social distancing. The same goes for arenas in Detroit and Charlotte and Milwaukee, plus several baseball and football stadiums. It's a tangible action to empower citizens driven by pro athletes. But it's also one that is not without its practical challenges, namely the need to find enough poll workers, preferably younger poll workers, as so many older ones have understandable safety concerns due to COVID-19. In 15 seconds, we'll dig in deeper with WNBA player and More Than a Vote co-founder Renee Montgomery. But first, this. We're joined now by Renee Montgomery, a player with the WNBA's Atlanta Dream who opted out this season to instead focus on issues of social justice. Renee, before we get into more than a vote, just given what's happened over the past 24 hours, I'd like your thoughts on what you've seen from your peers and also if you believe that the WNBA and NBA should continue their seasons. Yeah, so what I've seen is unity and not just unity in the WNBA, but I've seen unity in the NBA. Now you're seeing it in other sports leagues. You know, you're starting to see just across different platforms, athletes are standing together. So what I've seen is everyone understanding that this is a larger problem than sports and everyone putting that priority ahead. Whether or not they should continue is on the athletes. I think if the athletes say that they need three weeks or four weeks to get their mind together, if they need time to think about it, then you have to give them time. Some people like to play it out. That's your escape. If all the athletes feel that way and they vote on it and the athletes want to play and make that their platform to escape, then allow it. But I don't think there's a right answer. I think it depends on what do the players want to do. Chris Webber made comments on TV last night where he said, everybody vote, but also implied we might be beyond voting as a solution. In the context of more than a vote, how do you think about the idea that a lot of people may have lost faith in that part of the process? Yeah, I don't think you can ever lose faith in the process. You know, people would want you to lose faith in the process because you don't realize what the process can do. 
obviously there's law and order, there's government. And if you want to affect change, you have to be interested in the government that governs you. So you can never forget that process. However, voting alone, that should be step one. That should be the mandatory basic thing that anyone does. You vote. And then after that, you need to pay attention to what's going on in your community. And I think that's more what Chris is talking about in a sense of there's more things that need to be done, but you have to start with voting. The very first episode of this podcast we did back, I guess, in June, we talked with Jalen Rose about more than the vote. Talk to me about where it is now in this program or this effort, I guess you could say, to get pro sports arenas, NBA, WNBA arenas to become polling places in November. Yeah, it's been successful. You know, if you saw even the Dodgers opened up their stadium for it, the phase it's in now is, okay, you have this big space, people have to work in it. It's now trying to get young workers because, as we know, the older generation is who used to work the polls typically, and now they can't. Just to be precautious because of COVID. So figuring out a new system, new people volunteering. It's one thing to kind of try to engage people to go vote. It's another to engage them to take an entire day and work the polls. How do you make that pitch? When LeBron James is leading the way, I think it sounds better, you know. And I also think that there's people right now that protest all day. There's people that all day are standing out here in Atlanta and Centennial Park protesting. So for them to now not be protesting, but to be working the polls and feeling like they're creating change, I could see that being an easy sell. What is the most important part about using these arenas? Is it in part that they'll be so much larger so you won't or you shouldn't at least have the same sorts of lines we see in certain cities on election day? Is that it? Is it also that people always seem to know where the arena is in their town? They might not know where the school is or the church is where the voting takes place. So it's all of the above. It's also that in a lot of arenas, there's public transit that goes to it. So you got to think people getting there is sometimes a problem as well. So you have public transit getting you there. You have a large arena so that you can be spaced out. And we know that when you space out in a time like this, that's what's necessary. Not to mention you can serve a lot more people. So now you have these locations that typically could serve a smaller amount. You open up State Farm Arena. Well, everybody can get in there and get in there in a timely fashion. Renee, I just wonder, it's one thing for arenas and arena owners to open the place up. It's another for the local governments to be able to do this since they've often used the same voting places for generations. Has it been a hard sell to convince them to change their logistics with a couple months to go? Listen, I haven't been in those type of conversations. I do know that it is a process. You can't just up and do it. You have to uh, follow the guidelines. You know, you have to make sure it's above board. So if anything, it's not necessarily people not wanting to do it. It's having the manpower to do it all and make sure that it's done properly so that it's correct. So I'm not in the rooms where they're doing that negotiation, but I do know that that is a part of it. More Than a Vote is officially a nonpartisan organization. Clearly, what we've seen, unfortunately and strangely, in Kenosha and other places over the last few days seems to be becoming partisan, at least if you watch some of the convention speeches, etc. How do you personally kind of try to separate those things out or can you separate those things out? I try to just look at humanity. And I, I talked about even as I'm no expert, you know, I can be an expert when it comes to basketball. That's my expertise. But when it comes to police brutality and police laws, I'm not an expert, but I can sit there and watch the video and see so many areas of why didn't you deescalate here? Why didn't you apprehend him here? Why didn't you stop it here? So my thought process is this is not a political problem. This is a humanity problem. I'm not an expert at what they're supposed to do, but I can look at it and see that something is wrong here. So I want us to all use our common sense and start to arrest cops when they do something wrong to create a different culture. Looking back now on your decision to opt out this season, not because of COVID, but to focus on social justice issues, do you regret that decision or do you think you made the right call? I think I made the right call 
right when I did it, you know, and even a lot of people were asking me, how will I know it's worth it? What, what will I need to see happen to know when it's worth it? It's like people always need you to achieve a goal. The goal for me was doing what I wanted to do in my heart. You know, the goal for me was, all right, now I have more time to dedicate to what my mind is focused on. So I knew I made the right decision the moment I hit sin. Renee Montgomery, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Welcome back. What we're watching today is Walmart, which confirmed that it's now working with Microsoft on a takeover bid for TikTok. Let that sink in for a minute. America's largest retailer is teaming with America's largest enterprise software company to buy one of America's most popular entertainment and media apps. Why is Walmart involved? Well, the basic reason is that TikTok US, as it currently stands, isn't much of a business. But the Chinese version of TikTok, called Douyin, includes tons of e-commerce functionality, both for creators and for users. And from Microsoft's perspective, that's the kind of business it wants to eventually build, and Walmart has that e-commerce expertise. Well, so long as Walmart's ties to China don't cause it additional troubles with the Trump administration. One side note here is that the negotiations between Microsoft and Walmart and TikTok's parent company ByteDance have apparently not included participation by Kevin Mayer, who three months ago left Disney to become TikTok's CEO. He also wasn't involved on the rival takeover talks with Oracle, basically cut out of the loop by his own boss at ByteDance. So late last night, Mayer quit. Tonight, we plan to watch President Trump's acceptance speech at the Republican National Convention particularly how he discusses the ongoing protests in Kenosha, Wisconsin, not to mention the tremendous hurricane destruction in Louisiana and Texas. Remember, most of the other RNC speeches so far were pre-taped, so those speaking couldn't react to recent news developments. Trump, on the other hand, will be live. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. It's my producer, Tim Shovers. Have a great national Hoda Creme Day, and we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap.